our biblical view of sex, and uh, we're in a kind of in the section five on threats to intimacy, and one of the threats is men being passive, right? And it's kind of uh, can kind of be understandable anytime you you. Um, you know, kind of make overtures in that area and it gets shot down, it could be slightly humiliating, and there's a number of reasons why people might be passive. Um, and just, you know, thinking through like words of wisdom, right? If there's no intimacy going on, uh, that's usually a sign that there might be something wrong. It might be physical, it might be relational, uh, it might be spiritual in some way. Um, but sometimes people might even get into a rut where they're out of practice for whatever reason that's not really part of their life and it might be good to think through like how do you restart it again right so one of the things I think is to kind of have a uh, kind of a way of communicating that's not awkward does that make sense so just for the seasoned veterans among us I mean what might be some non-awkward ways of initiating intimacy. Scott, I'm going to be leaning on you, buddy. I think that. Well, I know that um, being a, being a um, parent of, you know, several children and, you know, sometimes there's fewer opportunities to talk with privacy. I think one of the things that we seem to include is just just certain ways of talking, phrases that kind of hint to the other one that mm-hmm. we're considering or thinking about that, looking forward to that. That's not graphic in nature, right? That mm-hmm. Just lets them know, hey, you know, I'm looking forward to spending some time with you. The kids are out. Yeah, that would be a good time. <laughs> you know, so be together. Problem. You know, those type of things. Mm-hmm. Um, that just and constantly uh, just remind that, that they're on your mind. I think that you let, I think for uh, both of us just, it helps whether, whether it's um, you know, hugs and non-sexual touching, but just ways of reminding, I'm thinking of you, I'm desiring you, I'm looking forward to spending time with you, yeah. is, is a way of just keeping that constantly kind of yeah. in your the both of your minds and then you know, <coughs> being aware of the busier your life is, how much it just takes some, mm-hmm. some work yes. to make sure that there's going to be time and opportunity for that to take place. Yeah. I mean, I think one thing is, hey, let's go to bed a little bit early tonight mm-hmm. and make sure the kids are down early tonight. You know, something <laughs> subtle like that. Um, so it's at least implanted, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Other, uh, other thoughts? Just being a, and I, just being aware of you know the things that are going on yeah in one another's um, life and daily schedule yeah. that might make it better or worse at certain certain days of the week certain times you know whether it's um, a really taxing day or oh you might have some open free time this yeah time. like maybe knowing when not to ask right um, exactly <coughs> yeah super super long day and you got a really really she's doing day. this. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's mm-hmm. like 
Don't ask him. Don't, don't put him on the spot. Other thoughts? Women's perspective, anyone want to help us out here? Help a man out, what, what would be helpful? <laughs> no help will be given. No help will be given. <laughs> we're on our own. Well, it's a good thing we have in this class. <laughs> so things that Jason has done that, you know, been helpful from time to time is, I mean, I think he's kind of touching on it, but like just the, Kind of like giving the the reminders of taking of your you know this would be nice to do right like giving me that time to prepare in my mind what's hard or whatever mm -hmm. um, but he he specifically talking to us last week about like just being aware of where one another's at in that area mm -hmm. and like so he was I guess you could say like leading and like saying like the you know like hey this will help us in this area. Verses. <laughs> so funny. It's but yeah. it's like the idea is like, how do you get there? Sometimes you just say, it's, it's time. Business how do I know it's time? Because it's Wednesday. Wednesday's time. So, like, I mean, that's just the reality. When you're married, like, conditions are perfect. Sometimes it's just helpful for you to just know Monday night the kids are out. We are always going to have an appointment on Monday night. Right? Like, that's right. Monday night is business time. Um, it doesn't, like, you don't have to have a sexy way of introducing the idea. It can just be, like, I want to have sex because it's Monday. Really? <laughs> throw that one in the file box. <laughs> <laughs> Love this class. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm sorry. <laughs> I might have set myself back. <laughs> Any other insights? I think one last thing that we've observed with just different seasons and over the years is the just the more consistent you are at practicing that, it it's, makes it easier for both of you yeah. to make it a regular part of your, your daily and weekly yeah. schedule of life. And, and it's like anything, it, the longer you, you've gone without you know consistently having intimacy, the harder it is at first to kind of get into that rhythm and that pattern. But, you know, consistency over time, mm -hmm. you know, builds a, build, just builds that in as that's a healthy part. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so words of wisdom. Leadership begins with preparation. Yeah, you make your intentions known well before bedtime. Right? Uh, secondly, sometimes it's helpful to have a bat signal, like a locked door. Bat signal. Why are you locking the door? Why do you think? Right? Uh, lit candle, subtle way of saying it's time. Like if you light the candle and you go into the bathroom and it's blown out, you light the candle and it's blown out. Uh, get a clue, <laughs> right? It's not time. It's not time. It's not business time. Uh, do what you need to do to be ready for the moment, like personal hygiene, putting the house in order, making sure the kids won't be interrupt an interruption. It's like, kids, I got this great movie for you guys to watch, right? We talked a little bit about that. So. Um, yeah, those are just some things to do just to kind of have that secret language of communication. And, you know, it can be fun. You know, it can be funny and, and humorous, too. I think there's there's something refreshing about that. Any other thoughts somebody wants to share? I had somebody come up to me and say, now I understand why my kids were, why my parents were okay with us watching Saturday morning cartoons every Saturday. Right? So when you get older, you just kind of know what moments you've got to, got to seize upon. Okay. All right. Now we're going to take a turn, get a little bit more serious, and we're going to probably camp out on this section the rest of um, this session. And that's the issue of pornography as far as just a threat to marital intimacy. So Matthew 5, 27 to 28, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So how does the consumption of pornography and self-gratification impact marital intimacy? What does it do to expectations? How does it impact a marriage partner self-image? How does it impact one's appetite for intimacy? We'll kind of take these one, one by one, but first question, I mean, how does the consumption of pornography and self-gratification impact marital intimacy? Why is it such a threat? All right, Scott. All right. <laughs> Just waiting, I'm giving um, I think one of the first ways is that, you know, it, it develops a pattern where you're seeking uh, to fulfill your sexual desires outside of your spouse. And so you're being mm -hmm. unfaithful to them. Mm -hmm. In that sense, you're giving over this sacred part of your marriage, sacred part of your union um, to, you know, that would include 
is a very satisfying thing. Mm -hmm. you know, uh, pornography, um, it, it leads to uh, a destructive, you know, unsatisfying. Mm -hmm. That's one, one way. Mm -hmm. Other thoughts? Whatever is being done in that activity usually isn't very realistic, and uh -huh. it creates a lot of unrealistic and not good, like not pure expectations mm -hmm. then for the married life. Um, yeah. So it's very destructive when people yeah. are trying to come back into in into intimacy with their partner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you think about you know the pornography is created by someone whose mind is warped and bent on self, the whole purpose is self mm -hmm. and not the loving and serving the other person. And yeah. so that imaginary, fictitious depiction is going to mm -hmm. represent a very warped mm -hmm. picture. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen um, some interesting patterns that develop when like one party looks at pornography and we'll just, we'll use the man looks at pornography, woman does not. Um, in a marriage where the man doesn't look at pornography, his only outlet for sexual gratification is his wife, right? Mm -hmm. How does that impact the marriage? Think through it with me. Man yeah. doesn't look at pornography, awesome. doesn't gratify himself. What's that? It's awesome. It's awesome, yeah. <laughs> It draws them together. Draws them together, right? Mm -hmm. Quite a bit. You know, and there's kind of a, it, it norms the man. See what I'm saying? He has to understand his wife. Understand, you know, her moods, you know, live with her in an understanding way, like how can, you know, we make this happen, right? And because he wants it more, he's gonna be taking more initiative and uh, he'll be more attentive, you know, it kind of keeps him honest. And so it's interesting that sometimes when couples kind of, when that no longer becomes part of the relationship in some way, it's almost like they become roommates again. And the man doesn't really have as much interest in it and he's not drawn to the wife in that way and the wife is not being pursued by her husband in that way. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? So part of like the one flesh aspect of intimacy is a it, it keeps the husband going back to his wife. Now, when there is pornography, um, I know one case where the guy would look at it and he would only have intimacy with his wife when she was really in the mood, which was maybe once a month. And so he basically waited for her to be more the one who was wanting it, pursuing it, and it was important to her at that point, then the other times he would just go back to the screen. Does that make sense? So that was kind of like one pattern that was uh, developing and when this guy um, got sobered up it was like his wife is like you don't understand how much I need <laughs> you know what I'm saying like that just kind of changed and and the whole marriage had to change to kind of accommodate that new reality does that make sense well and he had to work harder for her pleasure I mean mm -hmm. instead of like oh you know once a month super easy like he had to that was the other thing yeah like takes a lot more thought and attention and mm -hmm. 
effort it's a lot more giving mm -hmm. on his part it's just harder it took more work um, so that would be one thing um, another thing that can happen is the man's just no longer attracted to his wife and is unable to fulfill his duty um, and I think one thing with pornography is pornography it trades on just fantasy and the creation of a world and in this world who is the center of the world the self right the creator of this world the creator of this fantasy world this world exists for his or her pleasure and uh, pornography caters to that they don't have to work. They don't have to do things. It's a place. It's and in talking to some men, sometimes it's like a refuge. It's a place where they're finally in control. You know, they are autonomous. Things exist to serve them. And what would that do to their just their general disposition towards sex? That that's your that that's your default. How would the wife feel if she was with a man like that, consistently? You want to say something, sweet? I mean, just like a tool that he's using for his pleasure. Yeah. Like, you're using my body to fulfill your fantasy of somebody else. Mm -hmm. You're not yeah. even with me, trying to be with me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Basically, the wife becomes a tool for her self-gratification. For his self-gratification. For his self-gratification, yeah. Right, so it's very inward-focused. And, you know, frankly, um, pornography is just not real. It is not real. Um, surgeries, all the other stuff just creates them. It's not even real. So it's just this impossible standard um, for anyone to live up to, and it just really, you know, destroys it. Does that make sense? So it's kind of like a deal with the devil, where a lot of times pornography justifies itself as an industry because they add spice uh, to the marriage bed, but basically what it does is just deadens it. Deadens it. Yeah, so oftentimes there's a, there's a, some men can think that they, they can satisfy, they can, they seek it for satisfaction, but it, not only does it not satisfy, oftentimes there's this um, they they seek a progressively more and more perverse yeah. view of sex, and um, some of the like we know that there's um, things like internet filters and mm -hmm. um, things for people who are battling pornography for purity. But there's also you know I've seen some research about people are battling porn because men are becoming completely they're unable to be aroused. They're they just can't perform at all because they've been so scarred mm -hmm. and calloused by their yeah. view of pornography that they just cannot have any sort of physical. Yeah, and I think there's there's kind of two thrills with pornography. Okay, eight same thrill. One is the orgasm, and the other one is the thrill of the hunt. Um, stolen water is sweet, and so. Um, you know, can I get around the filter? 
can I do this without getting caught? The suspense and the intrigue, that's part of the thrill. Um, the fact that this is forbidden, I'm doing it anyway. Uh, eventually it becomes a point of, well, I need to do something that's more forbidden and more forbidden, and that's why um, you know, some of the extreme, just deeply disturbing trends, that's often the fruit of like the light stuff, <coughs> kind of moving in that direction. Does that make sense? So once you're on it, it's just, it's just terrible. It can't be controlled. I mean, it truly is an, an addictive <coughs> behavior that changes the brain, all right? And frankly, pornography is ubiquitous. Um, studies show that even in Christian marriages, even though it's much less in Christian marriages, um, I was talking to the elders this morning, the one demographic that is resistant to um, pornography are Protestant church-going men. Yeah, there's a significant variation between them and the rest of society, which is just normalizing it. And, it, and, and this is a female struggle, too, even more so. Um, that's kind of the expanding market. Um, so, and they have, you know, there's, it's different. Don't quite understand it, but I know it's there. So I, I just say that if you're a woman struggling with pornography, you're not alone. There's help. There's resources for you. But I wanted to kind of spend the rest of the time, um, you know, in a room of size. I mean, there's, there's some of you who might be struggling with pornography right now. Um, it's going to be a major point of emphasis for our youth ministry. This next month, we're going to be a purity conference. Um, a lot of young people, I mean, a lot of young people struggle with it in some form. Um, I would encourage you guys to come to the Purity Conference uh, as well, if you guys are just curious, especially if you're parents. Um, I don't think it's ever too early to kind of start figuring out what you can do to just kind of help your kids kind of fight that sin. Um, but um, I want to kind of walk through two scenarios and then you know, talk out how do we handle both, okay? And, and the goal is to kind of give us a template. One scenario is, and I'm going to use husband, wife, okay? That's not to say that the wife can't be the one who looks at pornography and gets caught by the husband, okay? But for these purposes, husband, wife, right? Husband is caught looking at pornography. You know, he's having a lusty session and the wife, right, walks in, sees it, sees what he's looking at, and then retreats. And somehow he just doesn't even know. What should the wife do in that situation? She catches him. Or let's say um, she kind of notices, she just accidentally clicks on the browser history and just all triple X porn sites. What should she do? Stop and think because she's getting, she's getting to Yes. And you can't navigate that without preparing your heart correctly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is a trial. Now, why is it going to be such a trial? Because she's going to question her value. She's going to wonder, what else did I not know? Mm -hmm. you know her brain's going to... Women have incredible imaginations, and it's just going to spider into their entire life and be like, what else do I know? Mm -hmm. She could start being critical and fault finding. Yeah. 
company that in a remote regard on our way, and we probably still would have to return it. Okay. Yeah, very good. Okay. So obviously pray. That's perspective. What kind of perspective would she need to have before she starts taking action? <laughs> Why is that so important? Because she's a sinner too. Okay. Mm -hmm. She has betrayed a holy God as well. Mm -hmm. When people forget that, what tends to happen? Get real high and mighty. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I am the God that you've betrayed, and you must be. Now you're under my control until my wrath is appeased. Okay. Right. The, you need to appease my wrath. Mm -hmm. Or the marriage, the ultimate goal is just preserving the marriage instead of the soul of your spouse. Yeah, and I think that's a, an interesting point that you bring up, right? Uh, it, I, we don't have any numbers, but I would imagine that there would be a bunch of women who would see that and decide not to do anything about it. Why? Why would that? Why would they make that decision? I don't know, but I mean, my first inclination was when you said, "What should she do?" Like, <coughs> don't ignore it. You know, yeah. Don't ignore it. Yeah. I think reason to ignore it would be fear, most of mm -hmm. other reasons, but yeah, and I think that's <coughs> yeah, right there. But what would she be afraid of? Let's kind of let's brainstorm here. Well, if she didn't have the perspective that y'all were talking about, the right perspective, and she and, and didn't know how to get there in her mind, then she could hear the marriage falling apart, and that's probably not the place she wants. Yeah. <coughs> but if we ignore it, we feel bad. Mm -hmm. Because I'm afraid that I did something wrong. Yeah, the marriage could fall apart. What was another anxious thought she would have? This was my fault in some way. Mm -hmm. Okay. Other reasons for fear? The fear of finding out how deeply the sin goes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What if it's something I have to turn him to for? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What if it's something that's evil? What if he's seeing prostitutes? Yeah. Yeah. Other things? If you really love him, you'll know that a man's name is worth a lot. Mm -hmm. And you're not going to destroy him. Yeah, he might destroy your whole family. Mm -hmm. Or his career. Or his or career. His mm -hmm. What if he's in ministry? Mm -hmm. I mean, I've known, I've known of a situation where the woman buried it because her husband was in ministry and didn't want to see that dream die. What are, what are we going to do if he's out of it? Mm -hmm. Right? Other thoughts? couple things that um, I was talking to uh, my son about um, pornography and just one of the one of what you said one of the key places where Satan starts is that no matter how small it is the first goal is to build an area in your life that's secret whether it's one image or one TV commercial whatever if there's anything in your life that you just want to keep secret and apart from 
other, right? Yeah. And that's with pornography, that area just continues to grow and grow and grow and eat away. Mm -hmm. And um, I think the other thing is that, you know, when you see, if you discover this, you know, I would um, have the same seriousness as if you were to discover texts, emails, Facebook messages with other women mm -hmm. that, you know, there's a serious issue. Mm -hmm. another root of fear is my husband will go off on me. He will go off on me. And I'll have to endure his wrath. Right? So, obviously, I mean, like, praying, or I, I mean, that is, like, a key thing to do, because it is fearful. Yeah. Another thing that I've seen more often than not, usually Bye. I'm talking to the wife. Yeah. Always, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. Many times there is a log in her eye. Where many times a husband who's looking at pornography, this, this is not a universal, but many times there's a wife who's masturbating. Hmm. Their bedroom life is not super satisfying to her. Mm -hmm. um, you know? Now she knows why. Um, mm -hmm. That's part of the reason why. And she is secretly doing that. Mm -hmm. And so her willingness to confront, and this is usually the case in wives who don't confront it, and husbands who finally repent, and then you know, you're talking to the wife and you realize, oh, you've known. Um, mm -hmm. And this has been going on. And this is across generations, mm -hmm. not like just young people. Um, there is often a log in her eye that she knows in order to address this, more than the spec, but this thing in his life. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. So, so there's kind of like this. It's just it's a truth that she draws herself. Yeah. I'm I'm not gonna look at that. No one's gonna know about my little secret hole, <laughs> right? That I have, and mm -hmm. things yeah. go along peacefully. Yeah. Yeah. Now, and what's gonna happen to the marriage when that's the case? Let's unaddress what happens to the marriage. Perhaps to the soul. They both go away from each other and God. And God, yeah. I mean, this is a true crisis, right? So, biblically, what's our obligation? Seek Christ first. Seek Christ, for Christ first, right? And seek to restore your. Life. Yeah, somebody want to get Galatians 6 1. Um, Andy, want to get Galatians 6 1. And then somebody else get Matthew 18 15 through 18. Who would like that one? Josh, you want to get that one? Yeah. Okay. You got that, Amy? Yep. Galatians 6 1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you are you who are spiritual to restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watching yourself, lest you too be tempted. Yeah. I think that's the best verse on Christian confrontation in the Bible. Right? If you see a brother, okay, read it one more time. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep yeah. watching yourself, lest you too be tempted. Yeah. So, you gently restore, right? The goal is restoration, not just to rebuke and get the upper hand, right? You do it in, you know, if you're spiritual, walking in the spirit, <coughs> and you're keeping watch that you don't fall into the pit 
yourself, right. right? So the goal is restoration. You want to restore your husband or restore your wife, depending on what it is, right? So that's the, the first thing is figuring out a time to do it. Um, right place, right time. Honey, can we talk? Know what you want to say. And I think even kind of having a general strategy for what you would like to see happen. And we're going to talk about that in the second scenario, okay? Then Matthew uh, 18? 18 what? 15 through 18? Is that right? Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. Mm -hmm. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. Mm -hmm. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, mm -hmm. that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it to, unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosened in heaven. I mean, there's a place where you confront, and if he's unwilling to make some changes, significant changes, um, you tell it to probably a pastor or an elder, preferably Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Scott would love to help you with that. No. <laughs> but that, but that's the that's the obligation that we have. Okay, so that's one scenario, and then. Some of the insights from this next one is going to bleed in to what does repentance look like. Yeah, and I was just going to say, um, you know, in the Galatians passage, it says, and, you know, with with gentleness, um, but, you know, you think about the immediately following the Matthew 5 text, you know, he has committed the whole in his heart. If you're right, I cause you to sin and tear it off, throw it away. So you're carefully cutting out, it's, it's an extreme yeah. action that's required, and so carefully um, doesn't mean you're not willing to go in and mm -hmm. take severe action. It just means that you're, you're yeah. like a surgeon with cancer, you're not going in there just chopping things, right? You're, yeah. you're precisely cutting things out yeah. that are destroying. Yeah. So if the husband confesses, so let's say husband or wife, you're super convicted by this message, and you think, okay, I got to come clean. Where do you begin? And and this is the best scenario. It's always best if somebody comes forward instead of gets caught. In my experience, it's like the healing time. You know, like there's a saying, if you go in for heart surgery, you heal much faster than if you have an emergency and have to have the whole procedure done, right? The healing time's twice as fast when you confess. So, um, I'm going to give you kind of like the two-stage strategy, then five critical truths, you know, for the wives, and then kind of four dangers to avoid. Okay, so I have 15 minutes, so I'm going to kind of go through this to make sure it gets out. Number one, uh, if you're going to confess, best practice is you confess to a mature, godly man first. This is assuming husband, since if it's a wife, confess to a godly woman, okay? You confess to a mature Christian first. Okay, and there's some reasons for this. One, um, it makes sure that the other man is going to oversee the, your repentance process. 
very difficult for a woman or a wife who has been harmed by this to be able to objectively oversee repentance. It goes all kinds of wrong. Um, this man could help put a plan in place as far as what you need to do. Filters, go through a book, go through a study, memorize these scriptures. Um, he can set up support for your wife, right? So um, tell your wife to call my wife if she needs to, or call this other person. And it also makes it very clear that this is not a secret. You're being open and honest, and he can even coach you on what to say and how to say it to your wife, okay? So talking to another man needs to be the first step for best practices. You're gonna say something? A couple of things. Um, one, it, it also helps when, uh, if, if the husband's confessing to his wife, he can say, you know, we've talked and it's the advice or it's the suggestion of so-and-so that, you know, like it's not just this, this is my plan of how to. Exactly. And another second thing is that it's possible that the person is confessing something, but they don't realize everything they need to confess. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, a wise man or a wise woman can draw out. Yeah. You kind of get, really get the root, you know. You don't want to yeah. go in for cancer and be part of it and leave. Yeah. Leave something in there. Yeah. Yeah. So secondly, you confess to your wife. Details are determined by the counselor. Okay. For instance, um, if a man's looking at gay pornography, right, that would be a detail that would need to be included to your wife. Um, but as far as the nature, like if it was, you know, certain celebrities or whatever, that's, that's, those are not necessarily helpful details for the wife to know. Um, secondly, um, you need to give them time to think and mourn. This is a release for you, but her whole world is gonna be shattered. And you just have to understand she'll need space so don't pressure her to forgive you just understand it's going to take time offer to sleep on the couch say if I need to go away for a night yeah and this is where you don't say if I can do anything let me know because you're putting pressure on her you want to give her yes no questions do you want me to sleep on the couch tonight do you want me to hang out at my friend's house tonight and just so you know, my friends, you know, my counselor's wife knows about this, and she'll be, she's expecting you to call her. Here's her number. Um, and then understand the difference between, you know, forgiveness and restoring trust. You know, just trust is broken. Uh, that takes a long time to, you have to earn that back. Okay? So that's the execution. Now, go to, um, you know, what do you say to the wife? Right, so she is shattered. She calls up the counselor's wife. She sits down. What are some key things that she needs to come to terms with? And, and Becky was instrumental in helping me come up with this, just so you know. Number one is to realize that today is a day of victory. Uh, darkness has come to light. I think uh, you know one of the my go-to verses when it comes to pornography is John three twenty. But everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. Well, when the husband confesses, that's a huge win. It's a huge win. 
the fact that he's confessing to you is a huge win. And um, whether you know it or not, life is actually better than before. Um, he was under the weight of sin and shame. He had a secret life. He was hiding from you. And that existed even though you didn't know about it. And right now is actually better than a month ago when you didn't know. And I think the other thing is, um, this leads to kind of the second truth, that the enemy is sin and Satan. And you are now in a position where you and your husband can fight the sin together. He's not on his own. Um, and I think that's something to just kind of keep in mind what is the real enemy and just the need to um, to support your brother in Christ in this moment. Because you, you have to keep in mind too that the husband who confesses this, this is a very, very embarrassing and deeply shameful thing. And, and it is. You should be ashamed if you're looking at porn, right? Men know that. Women know that. That is deeply shameful and the real enemy is the sin and it's Satan and this is a chance to see somebody be rescued from that hole and you have a chance to help them. I'd say thirdly, um, wait for true repentance to show itself. Um, most of the time, in fact almost all the time, the first confession's not complete. I always tell men, get it all out there. Just say the whole thing. And so they do, but then they remember something later. <laughs> and I don't know if they just kind of like have trained their mind to forget about certain things. Maybe that's what's happened. Or they want to give like a trial run to see how she takes it and then confess the rest. Mm -hmm. But um, there is kind of a waiting period where you need to realize that this may not be the first of these conversations. Give it a week or so, more might come out. Um, and then I think what you want to see is, is he manifesting true heartfelt repentance? You know, the idea of, is he willing to cut off his hand or gouge out his eye? Uh, does he have a counselor in place? Is he willing to do that and do exactly what the counselor says? Um, you may want to meet with the counselor. So what are you going through? Have him talk to you, kind of explain, this is the struggle, this is where I see that he's going. That can be a very helpful thing so that you know, and, 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 and you can even have like a direct line to the counselor. It's like, can you check with him on these areas or these areas or these areas and kind of let the, the guy who can be more objective kind of guide it. Thing fourth is um, you want to desire forgiveness. Right? And granting forgiveness and desiring forgiveness are two different things. You can only truly grant forgiveness if somebody's truly repentant. Uh, I think your goal should be to desire to trust him again, but that doesn't mean you should trust him again, right? But you want to work towards that end. You know, and ultimately, because when, when somebody's truly forgiven, if he's truly repentant, one of the passages to keep in mind is um, 1 John, um, one through two. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He's propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. So if somebody sins and repents, right, who is their advocate? 
Jesus, right? And so if somebody is accusing somebody who's been forgiven, who is standing up for that person? Jesus, right? And so if you are somebody who is accusing a forgiven person, who's become your adversary? Jesus, right? You're basically taking the side of Satan. So that is why it's important to realize that forgiveness means if he is truly repentant, and that does take discernment, and you may not be the best judge of that because you've been so hurt by it. Does that make sense? That's why getting another person in the process is critical. But once they are forgiven, you have to really claim that promise. And we'll talk about some of the temptations a little bit later on. But fifth, I think it's important to remember that this is your husband's sin and that he is completely responsible for it. It doesn't matter if you were to look better, act better, or whatever. Yeah, it is your husband's sin. It's not a reflection on you. Okay, don't blame him. Or sorry, he can't he can't blame you for his sin. But that sort of cuts both ways. Don't blame your husband for your sin. Right? Just because you looked at pornography, that does not excuse sins of bitterness, resentment, and all those other things. So it cuts both ways. Um, four um, dangers. One, the danger of playing scenes of what he's seen or seeing your intimacy in light of that. You know, practicing self-control to shut that down. Uh, desire to be the cop or the mother. Right, You're going to be policing. And this is what happens when, when women do that. Um, remember, part of the temptation is the thrill. It's the orgasm and the thrill. And so the uh, the husband feels like he wants to sneak around and he's almost tempted to rebel against his wife because she's putting all these rules on him. Now that is his sin, but when the wife plays the cop, there is a temptation where he feels emasculated and he wants to retreat into this porn world where he is the master and he's in control again. Also that could just upset some of the marital rules, right? So you can mother be the cop. Um, that's why getting it to the third party is so important. I think the, the danger of self-righteousness, right, it's gross and the man knows it. I would never do a sin like that. So it's easy to kind of play the part of the, the Pharisee and become self-righteous and just really despise your husband. And that's what happens. When you become self-righteous, you despise other people. And then fourth is the danger to despise um, any new inconveniences. Internet filters are all over the place, and you can't get to internet sites as easily as you could. Um, no trips to the pool. M movies are all of a sudden vetoed. Um, you know, you might be hard to get a hold of because he doesn't have a smartphone anymore. Right? There might be a bunch of inconveniences, and there could be a danger to despise that. That makes sense. So, any questions about that? I know I kind of flew through those, but you know, that's kind of our. When we put our minds together, it's kind of like just advice if you're on the receiving end of that. Oh, and I think one more danger would be I get a pass. So let's say a husband discovers that his wife has been reading erotic fiction. He can think, well, that means I can look at porn. Right? So I get a pass for that. Anybody add anything to that? Becky, you help me with it. Would you add anything to that? 
I said all my things. You <laughs> said all your things, yeah. <laughs> Included. Yeah, and like the last chapter, uh, Setting Captives Free by Heath uh, Lambert, was, you know, that was really a helpful resource. Um, I listened to a message by Martha Peace where she's kind of telling people those things. But the big thing is, you know, this is part of a greater story when it comes out and is being dealt with. Um, it's a long road and it is hurtful. And I, I've seen, um, I've helped numerous couples through this. And what I found is that when the wife begins to resent her husband and sees his opportunity to control her husband, it doesn't go well. But when the wife says, I want to fight this battle with you, I want to be there for you, together we're going to do this, it just has like this endearing effect to the husband who's like, man, I can't believe that I was looking at these airbrushed hookers when I have this wonderful, godly, virtuous woman right by me. See what I'm saying? So <clears throat> I think the kindness of God leads to repentance. Right? Isn't that true? The kindness of God leads to repentance. And the kindness of the spouse facilitates repentance. When it becomes bitter, isolating, anger, and all that stuff. Um, that, that drives the spouse away. It doesn't draw him towards, or draw her towards. Does that make sense? But yeah, and it is hurtful, and I don't want to underplay that at all. There is a special betrayal there, and a shattering. Um, but that's how you know Jesus feels about our sin too, and He still loves us. Yeah, through that. Okay. Any final thoughts? All right. Well, Scott, you got the fun one. I guess you're going to be talking about. Well, we might wrap it up if need be, but you got bitterness and busyness. And oh, bitterness and busyness. Yeah, so those are easy. Those are easy. So let me pray. Well, Father, I do thank you for this time to talk about this serious topic, and I know in this room there are some men and some women who struggle with pornography, and I pray that they'll have the courage to come forward and just deal with that sin once and for all. Pray for the rest of this day that we'll be able to lift up wonderful worship to you. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you.